1: Crazy in Love is the true crime podcast that tells love stories with a twist.
2: Carrie's constant harassment brought Dave and Liz back together. They rekindled their old flame and started dating again.
1: Sometimes the twist of a knife.
3: This is catfish times 80 million with a hideous fatal twist.
1: Just because things start off with once upon a time doesn't mean everyone lives happily ever after. This is Crazy in Love a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a true crime producer at KT Studios, joined by fellow producers Stephanie Ladecker, Beth Greenwald, and Tim Hamilton. We've all worked for years on various crime podcasts and TV series, and as crime producers, we talk murder all the time. One thing we've noticed is just how many of them stem from love. This is the case of the mechanic, the stalker, and the shocking realization. In 2012, David Krupa was a 36-year-old mechanic who lived in Omaha, Nebraska. He had two kids with his longtime girlfriend, Amy Flora. After 12 years together, Dave and Amy separated. Newly single, Dave moved into his own apartment and started to explore his new life. Internet dating was a new thing to Dave, and he jumped right in. Dave was meeting a lot of women, having fun, and going on a lot of dates. He was upfront with all of the women he was seeing, that he wasn't looking for anything serious, just casual fun. Dave met 37-year-old Carrie Farver when she brought her car into the garage Dave managed. Carrie grew up in Macedonia, Iowa, a small town with a population of 276. She was a computer programmer, and by all accounts, Carrie was a bright light, had a great smile, and people were really drawn to her. There was immediate chemistry, and Dave eventually asked her out. Here's Tim. Tim.
2: So it was really sweet for their first date. Carrie and Dave went to dinner at a local Applebee's and then went back to Dave's house for a nightcap. As Carrie and Dave were saying goodbye, Liz Goyler, a single mother who owned a housekeeping business who also dated Dave very briefly about six months prior, unexpectedly walked up to Dave's front door to pick something up that she had left from way back when they were dating. And in that casual brief
4: moment, she met Carrie. Talk about cringeworthy. Talk about uncomfortable. You're out on a first date with someone else and then one of your other ladies stops by to pick up her stuff.
3: I don't find that to be a coincidence in any circumstance. It is odd that six months after they dated, she happened to come to his house
2: that night when he's having his first date with Carrie.
4: Carrie didn't think much of it. She and Dave continued dating for the next two weeks and really seemed to be hitting it off. Both of them were on the same page. They weren't looking for commitment. And Dave was so comfortable with Carrie that he gave her a key to his house and invited her to stay with him whenever she had to work late or be in the office early because she had a long commute and his house was closer to her office.
2: After dating for two weeks, giving someone the key to your house, that's a little weird too.
4: But remember, you know, he's coming from being with the same woman in the same relationship, He's new to internet dating, and he's probably new to this like social scene and what the social norms are. So I could buy into that. And
3: sometimes you meet a person and you feel as though you've known them for much longer than you actually do. So he was just rather trusting. Carrie did in fact take Dave up on his offer and spent the night at his house. She had a big presentation for work the next day. So the idea that she was closer to the office was greatly appreciated. So the next day we're told, Dave woke up before Carrie around 6.30 a.m. He showered, got dressed, gave Carrie a kiss goodbye, and then went off to work.
2: That's kind of sweet when you're starting a new relationship and you know, you have that trust and it's that perfect, I'm gonna go to work, give you a kiss. Here's a little flower I picked from the front yard. Like, it seems romantic. There's something cute about that.
1: Later that morning, Dave started receiving text messages from Carrie saying they should move in together. Dave texted back that they'd just met and he was not going to move in with her. Dave immediately received multiple text messages back from Carrie abruptly ending their relationship. She was saying things like she hated him, he, quote, ruined her life, and even that she wished he was dead. Dave was shocked at this. It didn't seem like Carrie at all. But then again, they'd only known each other for two and a half weeks. At the same time, Carrie's mother, Nancy... And Carrie's 14-year-old son, Max, stopped receiving phone calls from Carrie. Nancy was very concerned. It wasn't like Carrie at all. Carrie had suffered from depression and was on medication for a bipolar disorder. Carrie sent her mother and son text messages explaining she didn't want to speak on the phone and would only communicate by text. Carrie's mother tries to get the police involved because she believes Carrie is in trouble. Here's Beth.
4: The police didn't take Carrie's mother, Nancy, seriously because of Carrie's past diagnosis of bipolar disorder and the fact that Carrie wasn't missing or anything. She was still communicating with Nancy and her son, Max. The police felt that if Carrie was still communicating and through text and email and Facebook, from where the police were coming from, she's an adult who voluntarily left, which makes it difficult to believe she's missing due to foul play. And to that fact, Carrie's work
3: didn't actually report her missing either because she left her job in Nebraska because she said she was moving to a new job in Kansas. And over the next few weeks, Carrie continued harassing Dave with nasty emails and nonstop threatening text messages. Those eventually, though, began including his ex girlfriend, Liz. Now, you might remember her from earlier in the story because she's the girl that they bumped into the day that. She was trying to pick up some stuff from Dave's place when they first started dating. And now suddenly, even she's involved with all of these text messages.
2: So Carrie's constant harassment brought Dave and Liz back together. Since this was happening to both of them, the the harassment through the texts and emails and everything, they knew what each other was going through, so they could kind of relate to each other. So despite the fact that they were in this crazy nightmare situation with Carrie, they rekindled their old flame and started dating again. Dave and Liz would receive texts from Carrie when they were alone. And especially when they were together, like intimately together, they nicknamed Carrie crazy, Carrie, and they both reported the harassment to the police in 2013. Dave noticed Carrie's car in his parking lot. He took a picture and shared it with the police and they did search her car and were only able to retrieve one lone fingerprint that wasn't Carrie's and didn't match anyone in the crime database.
4: I mean, she was only with the guy for two weeks. She didn't really know a lot about him. I mean, they were dating casually, and now she's acting like a psycho. Constantly being barraged with texts and emails and all sorts of harassment and really not having, like, a lot that you can do about it.
3: After a while, this became so normal for them that they probably got a bit desensitized. That's a fact. If you're under a certain amount of abuse... Eventually, you almost get used to it and numb to it.
4: There's certainly something bonding about being in this situation together because you're not alone. Like you have someone else who's going through the exact same thing. It wasn't something
2: that was just happening in a similar situation. It was happening by the exact same person.
1: Carrie continued to relentlessly harass David and Liz. Liz files police report after police report over numerous incidents. While Carrie keeps texting her mother and son back in Iowa, she ignores their pleas to call so they can just hear her voice. She continues to refuse. In May of 2013, Carrie posted a long Facebook status saying, quote, she's answered enough questions to prove herself. Further quote, that she isn't missing, she just didn't want to come home right now. As time goes by, Carrie's mother grows more and more concerned. Carrie misses several major family events. Carrie's father dies and she doesn't even go to the funeral. Her brother gets married and she doesn't attend. Carrie's son Max DM'd her over Facebook and asked her to attend his high school graduation. He also asked Carrie to answer three questions that only a family member could answer What was his middle name? What was the name of their first dog? And what was his best friend's name? Carrie never responded to Max's message. Here's Stephanie.
3: So at this point, the harassment was constant, nonstop. Thousands of emails, getting texts all during the day, all during the night. On one occasion, Carrie texted Dave threatening to kill Liz. And get this, also sent a photo of a woman who looked exactly like Liz, bagged and bound in the trunk of her car. Now think about that. Could you imagine being Dave and receiving this? Obviously he panics. He calls Liz immediately only to find out that thankfully she's okay. But again, this is serious stuff and it's beginning to escalate quickly. A few other hideous experiences as well. Number one, someone also defaces a wall in the garage that Dave works at and written in fluorescent orange paint, the words Dave beats women. Obviously Dave is so concerned. He goes and tells police, makes a report, and then also gets a gun. Someone also spray-painted Whore of Dave in Liz's garage. So again, now we're seeing a pattern. And Liz's house was also partially burnt down, killing her two dogs, her cat, and a pet snake. Dave would change his cell phone number. He did everything in his power that he could possibly think of to protect himself and, of course, to protect Liz. And at this point, they're out of options.
4: I mean, it's just such a nightmare. You would think over time it would stop. Like she would move on, not intensify to such a degree. And she's doing it at the same time to both Liz and Dave.
2: They're watching a movie together on the couch and bling, bling, like their emails and their text messages are coming in together. So she's literally at that moment texting both of them and continuing to harass them because some of these even said that I I see you with the B. You know, I see you with her right now watching movies. Like, So it makes you think she's right outside the window watching you.
3: Yeah, she showed her hand a few times in that one, that as if she was in the backyard or peering inside the window, which again is a level of harassment that is not something to take lightly. Everybody in this story has done the right thing. They've gone to authorities. And In defense of authorities, what can they really do? You're getting text messages from an unknown location, They're not actually able to go and knock on somebody's door and ask them to please stop. And police officers are very busy dealing with crimes real time in person. So, again, something air quotes cyber related is oftentimes lower on the list. And this is a real cautionary tale about that.
2: And you think, how far is Kansas for her new job from where they are? Because she's not just texting and emailing, she's now showing her presence in the garage of Liz's house by saying Dave's whore and by defacing his work.
4: The picture of the woman in the trunk that was gagged and bound looked exactly like Liz. And it's perplexing because obviously Liz was okay. So who was that woman in the picture? Who knows? I mean, we know that Carrie worked in something with computers you know, maybe she posed in the trunk of the car and just put Liz's face on her face.
2: There's a lot of effort. To harass somebody through text and email it should have gone away time has passed it just keeps going and going and going i mean we're talking now it escalated quickly but it's lasting almost a year
4: in the spring of 2015 detectives ryan avis and jim Doty had heard about carrie's case and they volunteered to take it on this is kind of a turning point because carrie's mother nancy had tried and tried and tried to get the police involved and they really weren't taking her seriously so now these two detectives Are fresh eyes on this case and are approaching it with a some sort of fascination. And they came up with an interesting—I thought this was super interesting—a way to approach the case. Detective Doty was going to work the case like Carrie was dead, and Detective Avis worked the case as if Carrie was alive. Police in Iowa were looking at Carrie as a missing person, while people in Nebraska are looking for her as a stalker. After putting in a lot of time and research, Detective Avis couldn't prove that Carrie was alive. So the detectives now go to see Nancy, Carrie's mom, and tell her that they don't believe that she is alive. Nancy is somewhat relieved. She wanted to know what happened to her daughter, and Detective Avis and Detective Doty seem really committed to getting answers as well.
2: And in fact, when they could no longer prove that yes, she's alive, that's when this really took on a whole new shape. And then they started kind of moving into the territory that Liz may not be just a victim, she may now be a suspect. Detectives Avis and Doty work on the case and they kind of focus in on the one thing that seems to be all over every single report that has to do with Carrie. And the interesting thing is the one name that keeps showing up over and over again is Liz. Liz seems to be so involved in every aspect of Carrie Farver that it's just standing out so much they can't really ignore it.
4: So... There's mounds and mounds of evidence. The detectives dig into all these incident reports and vandalism and harassment. It went from being a missing person to a possible murder.
2: In so many of these cases, we find that the mother and the father or the sister or the, the nuclear family, they all have a hunch in the beginning and they're normally right.
4: A mother's intuition. I would say intuition for any family
3: member is pretty guttural.
4: Yeah, in a lot of these cases, it's the family member couldn't get in touch with her and they called the police. It just alerts them that, hey, our loved one might be in trouble. Let's do something.
1: We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment.
3: for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, "Cold Blooded," the Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's
3: just a shame, you know, that they took him from us
0: thought they were going to kill me so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything all these years I didn't say anything. listen to cold-blooded the Apollo Jim murders on the iHeartRadio app Apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
1: there's a lot happening these days but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time
2: Previously, when Liz was considered a victim, she allowed the police to to take her cell phone and dump all the contents onto a server for the police and their investigation. And that included phone numbers, pictures, text, emails, everything. The detectives took that information to Anthony Cava, who is a forensic officer on the police department, and he examined the digital evidence. In fact, he found a picture of Carrie's car on Liz's phone. But get this. The timestamp, the digital timestamp on the photo was a month before the vehicle was even recovered.
4: You know what else they found, Tim? When they were going through all this you know, digital evidence, they also discovered that there were six calls made to Carrie's home before she died. And it was using, Liz used star 67 to hide her number. They also found photos of Liz tied up with her mouth duct tape in the trunk of a car the same photo that Carrie sent to Dave telling him that she was going to kill Liz, which is super strange. Why would she have that? The other thing they found out that was really a wake up call for them is they found a photo of a check made out to Carrie for her furniture. And the check was signed Shanna Goyler and Shanna's is actually Liz's real name. So why was she buying Carrie's furniture? It's a lot of pieces of a puzzle that just, don't make any sense. If she was a victim, why would she have these things? She never told them about these other interactions. It just seems really suspect.
1: After Carrie disappeared, she asked her mother to let someone in her house because she sold them her furniture. The check made out to Carrie for the furniture was signed by Shana Goyler, Liz's real name. The print found in Carrie's car was also matched to Liz. Police tell Dave they think Liz is impersonating Carrie, but Dave does not believe it. They had both been receiving texts from Carrie when they were together. It didn't add up to Dave. On December 4th, 2015, Liz came into the police station to file yet another harassment complaint. Detective Avis saw this as an amazing opportunity to play dumb about the case. Avis offers to take Liz's report. Detectives want to include the text messages in the report, and Liz willingly gives him her phone. Liz then signs a document allowing Detective Avis to download all of the contents of Liz's phone. Even things she deleted could be recovered by the forensic experts. Liz also begins to float a new theory to detectives. Maybe Dave's ex, Amy Flora, was behind the harassment. Not Carrie. Here's some of the audio of the detective's conversation with Liz Goyler.
0: Who's your ex Dave Cooper.
3: Dave Cooper? R-O-U-P-A. And he has kids with Amy Flora. Mm-hmm. Not even two days after he broke up,
4: his apartment was broken into and his gun was stolen. So I, I told the police officer I was kind of worried that since she had the key to his apartment. Like I said, they only dated
3: for two weeks and I don't understand why a person would
6: they be stalking him almost three years later. Carrie and Dave dated for
3: two weeks?
6: Mm-hmm. And she...
4: Supposedly is the one stalking for three three years. Wow. Oh. I would find it more reasonable to believe
2: that his kid's mom is The interesting part is these two police officers are investigating this case And she has no knowledge of that. So while she keeps coming back into the police department to file yet another harassment complaint and report on Carrie, she has no idea that the police department is now looking at her as a suspect. So when she came in, they thought this is a great way to get that phone and do another legit way of having her sign the papers. Now they can have everything they can go through and have forensics look at it and they can really pull it apart to see what they may have missed when they were looking at her as the victim and that actually worked out really well it's also important at this point to realize we're in 2015 and carrie is still allegedly harassing these two and relentlessly at that
4: detective avis and detective Doty, their whole approach to this to me has been brilliant you know they come in and they take it from the opposite side she might be alive she might be dead and now they're smart enough to kind of play dumb and let Liz tell them things so they can basically accumulate more evidence.
2: Now Liz is in there pointing fingers at another person, and that's Amy Flora, Dave's ex, as a possible person that she believes could be impersonating Carrie. There's no sign of Carrie except for text and email. The family, her son, her mother, Dave, the community, like all of this is just, it's so much.
1: Let's stop here for another quick break.
5: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
6: Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Marymount Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up.
0: Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut. And I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: After they got Liz to agree to the second data dump and she signed a release, Detective Kava looks at the phone and finds 20 to 30 email addresses involving some variation of Carrie's name that had been created by Liz. He also found that she was using an app to schedule future messages. So it's very likely she could be, Liz could be at home setting up these emails and then spending time with Dave and they're both sent to come at the exact same time. Meanwhile, Dave's gun that he bought for protection from Carrie goes missing. It's in his closet. It's in the same place every single day. And he gets home. It's completely gone. He realizes his gun is missing and he reports it to the police. And interestingly enough, Liz reports to the police as well and says she believes that his ex may have stolen it. His ex, Amy. And remember, the only other time we've ever heard about Amy is when Liz brought it up. On December 5th, 2015, the next evening, Liz calls 911 and says she was shot by a woman while she was walking by herself at night in the park. She said she thought it was Amy Flora, but investigators, without telling her, determined she shot herself. And Flora was cleared from any wrongdoing that evening.
3: Whoa.
4: She shot herself in her
3: own leg? I am never gonna go outside again until the end of days. This is a tale (laughs) that should keep us all inside. What? Continue, Beth.
4: I'm just blown away by that. Like, I was, I'm like, it's a stalking case, there's harassment, and now suddenly Liz gets shot. I'm just blown away.
2: A lot of bad things have happened to Liz since Carrie disappeared, and now she's shot with a gun that her boyfriend bought to protect them from crazy people.
4: Two weeks after Liz was shot, the police bring her in and decide that they're going to lie to her. And they're going to tell Liz that they found Carrie's remains. And what they do is they ask Liz for her help so they can catch Amy Flora and send her to jail for Carrie's murder. So they ask Liz, can you reach out to Amy and ask about Carrie?
3: So at some point, the cops now are being a little tricky and a little bit professionally sneaky, and they're basically reining her in. They're letting her walk right into her own lie, essentially, right?
2: Yes, they're giving her enough rope to hang herself.
4: Now that Liz was floating this theory, she was receiving these harassing text messages and Amy was signing it with her name. So again, the police ask her for her help so they can catch Amy and send her to jail. And I think in Liz's mind, this would get rid of Amy for good and she could have Dave all to herself. Almost immediately, Liz began receiving messages from Amy admitting she shot Liz. How convenient. The detectives ask Liz to ask Amy about Carrie's death. They tell her they need info that only the killer would know. And they can't
2: get rid of Amy by locking her up until Amy actually admits it in writing that she did this.
4: So Liz goes full throttle and gets Amy to admit that she did kill Carrie. I killed her in her own car. This was a huge break because this was something the detectives didn't have, a crime scene. So the detectives checked Carrie's car and under the passenger seat fabric, there was a large bloodstain and that bloodstain was Carrie Farver's blood.
3: So she led police straight to the crime scene. And even more so, forensic digital expert, Anthony kava he's a gentleman that was brought into the mix earlier, is now looking through all of the deleted cell phone data that he was able to recover. And sure enough, he finds that Liz created tons and tons of emails from Carrie's name. So now with all of this mounting evidence, in February, 2016, police finally had enough information to bring Liz in to custody. A detective tells her that she was a suspect now in Carrie's murder, and also shares with her that the IP address From all of those harassing emails and texts, all came from Liz's own house. He also says that he has her fingerprint in Carrie's car. Now, Liz now, seeing the walls closing in, she insists that they are completely wrong and that she has never been in Carrie's car and asks to speak with an attorney immediately. And from there, she is officially arrested and charged with the murder of Carrie Farber.
4: I mean, I was floored floored when they revealed
3: that. Here's the actual recording between one of the detectives and Liz.
0: What what do you think happened to to Carrie Farber? I don't know. I don't
4: know know if what Amy's
1: saying is true. I don't know. Fingers pointing right at you. Mm -hmm. I'm done talking and I'm gonna have my attorney because I
4: didn't do anything. She was denied, denied, denied until the bitter end. This was one of those true
3: testaments to police really taking their time to get their person because she could not have possibly made it more complicated.
2: To think of the extent that Liz went through to even burn down her own house to prove and and vandalize her property and all of these things to just what? The lady's already dead. So why are you keeping this alive? This is like you murdered her and you assassinated her character because you kept it going.
3: What's even more horrifying is her memory is also being stolen because here people are reaching out to her on a regular basis. Her own son is asking key questions because somewhere deep inside, he must know that something doesn't sit right. There's no way his mother wouldn't respond. That's the most devastating part.
4: What I was blown away by was this detective work. It was
2: amazing
4: detective work.
3: I would have to imagine that Liz is also one of those people who needed to be caught and also probably wanted to be caught. This went on probably far too longer than even she could have imagined. And the stakes were obviously way off the rails. And this is a person that could have struck again. So it was honestly just a matter of time until this escalated again.
4: And not only in this case to do that, but to bring peace to Nancy and Max. Correct. I mean, this has just been devastating. I can't think of anything worse than your loved one being missing and not being able to talk to them or communicate. And then it's just the cruelty of it, of someone pretending to be that loved one, especially if they had murdered her. This is catfish
1: times 80 million
3: with a hideous fatal twist.
1: A few months before the trial was set to begin in 2017, detectives visit Dave one last time. As they're leaving, they ask if there's anything else they need to know or anything they missed. Dave suddenly remembers a tablet he had in storage. Please check it out and find an SD card that had been in Liz's phone. They recovered deleted images. One of them was a human foot that was decomposing. It had a tattoo of the Chinese character for mother. It was Carrie's tattoo, and this was the prosecution's smoking gun. Liz's defense attorney, James Martin Davis, wanted to expedite the case and ask for a non-jury trial, meaning a judge decides the case. Her lawyer was concerned the prosecution could turn up a body if the case dragged on, and he felt the state would have an uphill battle without Carrie's body. Prosecutor Brenda Beadle painted a picture of Liz as a quote, diabolical and cruel woman. Liz's defense attorney argued there was no body and all the evidence was circumstantial. In 2017, Judge Timothy Burns finds Liz guilty of first-degree murder. She is sentenced to life in prison. Goyla remains at the Nebraska Correctional Center for Women. To this day, she maintains her innocence and claims Farver's real killer is still out there. Detectives Dodie Avis and digital expert Kava set up a scholarship fund at the community college Carrie hoped to attend to do something positive in her memory. If you're enjoying Crazy in Love, listen to seasons one and two of the Piketon Massacre, another KT Studios production, and follow us on Instagram at KT underscore studios. Crazy in Love is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Beth Greenwald, Chris Graves, Lisa DiGiovine, Jeff Shane, Tim Hamilton, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Additional editing by Davey Cooper-Wasser. Crazy in Love is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.